Welcome back, listeners, to Lifeline Theaters on the Air. I'm Alicia Duncan, Artistic Director. Every Friday in December, we bring you our serialized adaptation of The Life and Adventures of Santa Claus by L. Frank Baum, best known as the author of The Wonderful World of Oz. We rejoin the story with Claus recounting the journey he took in the mortal world with Ak when he was 18 years old. Knowing how lucky he was to have lived a childhood free from worry, Klaus determined to help the children of the world. He found himself snowed in for the winter with no way out of the Laughing Valley. This episode is produced by Patreon supporter Rosemary Stubbe. You can join Rosemary and our community of listeners at patreon.com slash theater. Join us now as we bring you part three of the life and adventures of Santa Claus, the toy maker. Thanks for waiting. Everything all right, Claus? Oh, sure, sure, Ack. Just not moving as fast as I used to. Can I get anyone anything? Oh, no, no, thank you. No. I'm good. Oh. Gnome King? Perhaps a seat for our friend? Of course, of course. Oh, thank you. Oh, it's warm. Hot lava. Nice. Hello, Mother. Hello, Claus. It's nice to see you. <laughs> oh, Mother, none of that. Anytime old friends and family can come together, there should be joy. Now, what can I do for what appears to be all the immortals of the world? Oh, just your company and your story. Okay, if that's what you want. I was born... We're past that. Oh, well, when I was 18 mortal years... We're past that, too. Oh, well... Where would you like me to begin? We had just gotten to the point in your story where Jack Frost had brought winter to the valley and snowed you in. And I would like to register my displeasure at my portrayal in the story. I don't come off very well. I, like all the other immortals in the world, have my job, and I take it seriously. And if I am to be judged for that... Jack Frost! Yes? Once again, you are reaching for my nose. Am I? Yes. yes! My apologies. Oh my, that first winter. I mean, obviously not the first winter, but the first true winter I ever experienced. I was lucky in that I lived under the protection of Ak, the great woodsman of the world. And the nooks and rills and nymphs and fairies made sure I had plenty of food and wood for the fire. But aside from my cat, Cat, he insisted on that name since he was the only cat I had, he should be thought of as the only cat. Uh, Aside from Cat, I was alone for the first time in my life. When I was a child, I was surrounded by the denizens of the great forest of Burzee, and of course, Nasil, my mother. But now I was on my own, and cut off from the children I had sworn to help. I was consumed with worry. Happiness is easier to find in the summer sun. 
But when the daylight hours shrink and the cold creeps in through the crevices... It's my job! Shut it up. I worried that whatever happiness I had kindled in their hearts would be extinguished. Plus, I was so bored. So bored. That was new, too. There has always been something to do before. I never had to exercise patience before, partially because I had nothing to wait for. And patience is hard, and a hard skill to learn as an adult. I picked up a knife from the tools Ak had gifted me, and just started working a piece of wood. Just to pass the time. Cat just stared at me, as cats do. But then he said... He could speak in my tongue, but he always insisted on doing it in his own. I don't know. I'm just doing what the kids call whittling. Well, I'm not sure it's anything. It's just something I'm doing. Huh. Now that you mention it, it does sort of have a cat shape to it. Okay. Okay. Let me see what I can do here. So I worked the wood, and soon the eyes of a cat revealed themselves, then the nose and the lower part of its chin. Slowly the body came into being, and the tail that wrapped around its body... Yes, yes, you are the prettier of the two of you. But it's not a bad likeness. You can certainly tell it's a cat at any rate. Well, that's kind of you to say. And so the winter went. Me in my house with cat just carving away. Some more cats, but also the other animals of the forest. Squirrels, chipmunks, birds. A regular menagerie. Soon you could barely move about the house, so I began keeping them outside. And one day, there came a knock on the door. Well, I don't know. Let's see, shall we? Hello, Claus. Hello, Rills. Please come in. It's been a long winter, and I haven't had any company. Come in, come in. That's why we came. The word around the forest was that your home was under siege from a variety of strange animals. What? Uh, Oh, my wooden menagerie. No, those are just little wooden carvings I did to pass the time until I could make my way back to the village. They are very lifelike. They even fool the animals at a distance. They were very concerned because we had no smell, and we came to investigate. If they had color, you wouldn't be able to tell them apart from the real thing at a distance. Huh. Color. I suppose they would. You know, I could bring you some of the red I color my roses and tulips with, and then you could make their lips and tongues red. That would look strange. They will probably need yellow, especially the cats, for what sets a cat apart but the yellow of their eyes. So I, too, shall bring the yellow I use to color my golden rods and buttercups with. Well, some cats' eyes are green, so I will bring you the green I use to color the blades of grass. And shadow makes things look lifelike. I shall bring you the black I use to color the center of my sunflowers with. We better have someone bring some blue. The absence of a color makes it conspicuous. And then as quickly as they were in, they were off. And soon, they returned. And we all got to work painting the various carved animals. Hmm, this deer should be brownish. What would be the best way to make a brown color? 
You know, not all cats are black. You could paint them something other than black. I like black. Paint your own cats the way you want. If you like black so much, there is an entire squadron of penguins out there. Go to town on those. Uh, someone passed me the red for this Robin Redbreast. Soon it was spring, and the rails had to take their colors and go back to their regular jobs of painting the wildlife. They did leave me some paints with which to work, and the pass was open, and I could make my way to the village again. I certainly didn't need a cottage full of carved and painted animals, so I placed as many of them as I could carry into an old sack and set off towards the village. The children came streaming from their houses. It's amazing how fast they can grow. And indeed, some mothers came out carrying new babes in their arms. Greetings, children. What would you like first? A story? Some juggling? Balancing while juggling and telling a story? What's in the sack? Oh, this? While I was away from you all, I got terribly bored and had to do something to occupy the time. So I made these with my real friends. And when I opened the sack, the children sat in silent reverie. I pulled the first cat that I made out of the sack. Black as onyx with eyes that shone both green and yellow, depending on how you turned it, and a bright blue painted on ribbon around its neck. I thought perhaps you children would like them. And I thought I might go deaf from the shrieks of happiness. I handed out the wooden animals to the children, and they became enamored with them, playing with them as if they were real, using their imaginations and making their own stories. That day I just sat there and watched them make up their own play and turn these little statues into playthings. But I noticed a child just sitting silently holding her painted squirrel. Don't you like squirrels? I love squirrels, but it's my sister, Mr. Claus. She doesn't like squirrels? No, she loves them too. It's just, she got terrible sick in the winter, Mr. Claus. She wanted to be here today, but she couldn't get out of bed. I'm just so terribly worried about her. Well, let's go see your sister. And she took me to a little house, and there on a little cot lay the sister, moaning with pain. I placed a painted cat into her hands, and the way her eyes lit up, glowed with pleasure, she hugged it to her and smiled. And I hoped, I just hoped that when she got older, she may remember being sick, but she would also remember the toy cat that gave her so much joy at such a dark time. When I returned home, I found fresh paw prints in the snow leading up to my door, which was broken at the clasp and slightly open. Hello, Claus. Sorry about the door. I got in as gently as I could. I would have waited outside, but we big cats don't like the cold. It was my first nursemaid, the great lioness Shigra. She was curled in front of the fireplace. <coughs> Cat was up on a high shelf since cats and big cats resent each other for too many reasons to get into now. Shigra had aged. Some of her once impressive teeth were now gone, and white hairs covered her ears and tail. Hello, you beautiful beast. <laughs> What's that all over your face? You think you are part lion since I fed you as a child? It was a long winter, and shaving bores me even more than doing nothing. It's lovely to see you, Shigra. What brings you to me? I missed you. And I you. I forgot how boring life was before you. Thanks for ruining it for me. Sorry. Shush. Just sit with me. I hear you were quite bored yourself recently. Terribly. 
I love the valley. I just had no idea that I wouldn't be able to leave it one-fourth of the year. Where are all of these animals you made? Gone. I gave them to the children of the village. Oh, I see. Do you want one? Because I can make you one. I would have liked to see one. But what would I do with a carved animal? (laughs) But... Yes? I do have a favor to ask, Claus. If it's mine to give, it's yours. My time is ending, Claus. But... It is. We animals can feel it. If our minds don't become feeble in our old age, we know our bodies and the world, and and we know when our time approaches. It's the way of things, Claus. I understand. It's easy to pretend to be stoic and accepting about it, when in truth, I am quite angry. This old beast you see is not how I see or remember myself to be. But then, every time I go to the pool to drink, there is this old, rapidly toothless lioness staring back at me. I have lost the image of myself that I feel is my true self. That is how I want to be remembered. Would, would it be possible to make an image of me? How I was? How I was when I cared for you? When I taught you about moving silently and how to disappear? Remember me when I was young? I just want to see me in my prime. One last time. It would be my pleasure. And I took a piece of wood and began working it, taking more care than I had before. Not that I was careless before, but the import of the request guided the work of my hands. I carved through the night with Shigra asleep across my feet. Then I took some of the paint the rills left me and rendered the wood carving into the image of my old nursemaid. It is possibly the finest work, the most realistic I have ever accomplished. When she woke in the morning, she stretched and her eyes landed on it. She stiffened and then relaxed and purred. There I am. And then she rubbed her face against mine and I scritched her behind the ears. I am so happy I didn't eat you. Me too. And with that, she padded out of my house and back to the forest. And I sat and cried with Cat in my lap, because I knew I would never see her again. And I had never lost anyone before. So I cried and cried. And then I looked at her figure, seemingly ready to pounce on the corner of my work table. And I smiled, because I loved her. And I would carry her with me always. It sits there still. (laughs) Sorry, your majesty. All mortal lives are touched by sorrow. Nah, nothing. Cold makes my nose run is all. It's funny. That carving of Shigra leads to the next part of my story. I headed back into the village, but found that all the children were still playing with their toys. Because while they weren't made that way, that's what they became. So I sat in the square and would play in their make-believe when a stranger came through. Morning. Good morning to you. What's all this then? Oh, the children are playing. Certainly seem to be. Where did they get them fake animals from? Oh, I made them. What did you do that for? 
Well, honestly, it started because I was bored. But now that I see how much the children love them, I suppose I will make more. Huh. How much? For... How much for one of them there carved animals? Oh, nothing. I just make them and then give them away. Why? Because it seems to make people happy. Uh-huh. Who are you? I'm Claus. I live in the Laughing Valley. And what is it that you do? I try to make life better for people. You're rich? Not with money, but my needs are met. So I have time to help others in the way that I can. Okay. Well, I'm off. Safe travels. Uh-huh. At the end of the day, I returned to my house. On the journey, I started thinking about different ways to make the animals. Perhaps hmm. with articulated joints, they would be even more lifelike, and the children might enjoy playing with them even more. Before I knew what I was doing, I ended up working the entire night on a wooden deer that could bend its legs and turn its head. That's when I heard a knock on the door. Well, I don't know. Maybe we're becoming the place to be. Coming! I had to adjust my gaze downward, because a child I had never seen before stood on my step. Well, hello there, little one. What brings you to my door? Are you Claus? Yes, I am Claus. And who might you be? My name is Marie. Nice to meet you, Marie. What can I do for you? Are you the one that makes the woody animals? Yes, I am. I don't recognize you from the village. You ain't never been to my village. Oh, you're from another village. I suppose so. How did you hear about my animals? People are talking all over. They say you make them and hand them out. For nothing. Well, that's true. Can I have one? I, well, of course. Uh, I'm currently working on a... Woo! It was then that Marie saw the carved figure of Shigro, looking as if she was ready to pounce off the corner of my table. She tore off. Well, how was I supposed to know? I live in the middle of nowhere. Yes, fine, fine. Maybe I should stick to carving little cats. Now keep an eye on the place while I go to check on her. I found Marie sitting, throwing pebbles into the river. I'm sorry that my lion has scared you. It's just a bit of carved and painted wood. Why would you have something so scary in your house? Well, I suppose it's not scary to me. That was Shigra. She used to care for me when I was a child. But I can see how, if you didn't know her, she might be scary. I certainly would never wish to frighten any child. What sort of toy would you like to play with? Not a lion. Of course, not a lion. Where I was raised, in the great forest of Burzee, I was protected by the decree of Ak, the great woodsman of the world. So I could talk to all beasts and insects and be free from any threat. So I forget the danger they pose to people here. You are right to be cautious around beasts and insects. But in most cases, if you leave them alone and respect them, they will leave you alone. They are just like you, that they just want to be happy. Not a lion. Okay, not a lion. And as we talked, I began working the clay of the riverbed. It began to take on a familiar shape. I began to take more care, and before I knew it, it was the spitting image of the nymph Nasil. Oh, that is so beautiful. What is it? That? That is the nymph, Nasil, who cares for the trees of the great forest of Burzee 
and is the chalice bearer of Queen Zerlene on budding day. She is also the nymph who raised me. It's so pretty. Can I have it? Of course. Only... I can't have it. No, you can. Of course you can. But if we leave it out in the sun, the clay will dry, and then I can paint it. So it looks just as lovely as Nasile does. Oh, really, Claus? Of course not really, Mother Nasile. But it would be all the child would ever know of you, and I wanted her to have the best impression of you she could. Well, okay then. Please continue with your story. Mayri, I will paint this and I will bring it to you. And I shall bring enough toys for all the children of your village. But you'll have to be a little patient. Sound fair? Yes, please. Thank you. Are you okay getting home? Yes, thank you, Claus. I took the clay seal back to my home and noticed that my fire had gone out, but the coals were still hot. I thought if the sun will dry the clay, perhaps the clay will harden from the heat of the coals. So I placed it, and while it baked, I got started on another set of toys. Now I had two villages to build for. After a few hours, the clay was baked to perfection and I was able to paint it. Much like Shigra's toy representation, the love for my subject seemed to give it an even more lifelike appearance. But I had promised this one, and could not keep it. So when I thought I had made enough toys for two villages worth of children, and then some, because I would feel terrible to leave a child without a toy when others got one, I set off, with twice as many toys and twice as far to go. But the children's reaction was worth it. Thank you, Claus! I didn't return home for several days, and when I did, I found an ornate coach with a team of beautiful white horses and armed guards waiting outside my home. From within the coach, a young girl called out to me. You there? Hello? Yes, you. Are you the one they call Claus? Indeed I am. And are you the toy maker? Well, I suppose I am. It's as good a description as any. May I please have a toy? I'm sorry, what's your name? Bessie. Bessie Blythesome. Well, it's a pleasure to make your acquaintance, Bessie. But I am all out of toys at the moment. I just finished delivering some to some nearby villages. Oh, I see. But you will make more. Well, I guess. I am a toy maker. Will you make me one? To be honest, Bessie, I make them for poor children who have nothing to amuse them. You seem to be quite wealthy and have all you could ever desire. You have coaches and footmen I'm sure you lack for nothing. Except a toy. You are the only toy maker. There are no toys but yours. My father had very much the same answer as you. Why would you want a wooden horse when you have a dozen real ones? And I told him, real horses can't fly, or ride over the moon, or sing to me the way a toy horse can. You already seem to have a wonderful imagination. What more can a toy bring you? Do poor children love to play with toys more than rich children? I don't know. Am I to blame because other children are poorer than I am? No, you have no control over that. Then must I be denied a toy because of that? Bessie, I am about to start a new batch of toys. 
I will consider your request while I work, and I will give you an answer either way. Please, Mr. Claus, I will be dreadfully unhappy to not have a toy. Driver! Well, I was in quite a quandary. My desire was to make the children of the world happy, but was it right that I should also give to the rich? Deeply troubled, I went back into Burzee to seek the counsel of Nasil. Oh, Claus, how I have missed you. You seem well, but you have a crease in your brow that describes deep worry. Mother, I have set out to make the world a better place for children, and so I have been making gifts for the poor. Toys, they call them. But today a wealthy child asked for a toy, and I was unsure of what to do. Should I give toys to the rich children? We of the forest know nothing of riches, but it seems to me one child is like another child. They are all made the same, and riches are like a gown that may be taken on or off, but the child is still the same. But the fairies are guardians of mankind, and no mortal children better than I. Let us call upon the fairy queen. Oh, I remember this. I said, who calls the queen of the fairies? And and I related my problem to you and asked your advice. And I told Claus that a child's longing for playthings was natural. All children may suffer grief in their heart. A child with riches can be just as lonely and discontented or just as happy and joyful. And perhaps, just perhaps, a gift given freely to a child of privilege will motivate that child to also give freely. If a child is taught generosity, a child will be generous. And a child of riches has more to give back to the world. Your words were very wise, Fairy Queen. And I thank you again for your guidance. It shaped the rest of my life. For from that day, I became toy maker to all the children of the world. And to commemorate that, I made Bessie a fairy from clay, so that she would always know to thank the Queen of the Fairies for helping me with my decision. Oh, thank you, Mr. Claus. Your gift has made me happier than I have ever been before. Remember that feeling, Bessie. And if you ever have a chance to be in a position to give a gift, know that feeling is just as wonderful. I shall, I shall. And now here I was, toy maker to the world. More and more people heard of my efforts and the demand increased. Suddenly I found myself trying to meet both the demand and realize my own ambitions. I wanted to make the toys even better. I thought of how much Bessie loved her fairy and what if I could figure out a way to make clothes from real silk for them? Or what if I could make musical instruments for the children? Plus the rills and nooks and nymphs and fairies of the world knew of exotic fruits and sweets from around the world, and they would bring them to me. What an amazing gift to see or taste something you would never have access to any other way. Of course, I would still be unable to deliver any of them for one quarter of the year. Look, I don't really appreciate this blatant character assassination. Jack! Frost! Calm down, everyone. Jack, we all know you have your job to do. Every snowflake is custom-designed and individual. And as one craftsman to another, I applaud both your work and the ethic behind it, Jack. 
I am a bit parched. This seems like a decent place to pause for refreshment. Cider, everyone. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. No, thank you. We will wait here. I agree, King of the Sound Imps. Are you sure his time has come, Ak? My protection surrounds him, but I can feel his time ebbing. Oh, oh. Sorry, that wasn't about him. King of the sleep phase, you know. Of course. Is there nothing to be done? There may be, but we need him to finish his story first, and soon he shall. And before dawn breaks, we will discuss something that I have in mind. Tonight's episode was produced by Lifeline Theater and Sound Concept Media. It was adapted and directed by Lifeline Ensemble member Christopher Ainsworth, with music by John Benedek, and featuring the talents of Bilal Dardai as Klaus, Patrick Brazil as Ak, the Great Woodsman of the World, Manny Tamayo as the Gnome King, Heather Curry as Nymph Nasil, Anthony Kerr as Jack Frost and the Stranger, Jennifer Tyler as Real One, Amanda Link as Real Two and Village Child, Sandy Snyder as Real Three and Queen of the Water Sprites, James E. Grote as Real Four and King of the Sleep Phase, Allison Kane as Shigra the Lioness, Katie McLean Hainsworth as Mary and Bessie Blythesome, and Dorothy Milne as Queen of the Fairies. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to hear about future projects. And as always, it's a great help to us if you can subscribe, rate, and review. You can support our podcast financially at patreon.com backslash lifeline theater. Please join us next week as the life and adventures of Santa Claus concludes in part four, Santa Claus. All of us at Lifeline wish you a safe and happy holiday season. <laughs>